I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Hello, everyone. Well, hello. Oh, fancy seeing you here again. That's my Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, I, um, remember Mrs. R. Doubtfire? R.I.P. I know. Robin Williams was amazing. That was such a good. I love that movie. I think it was my favorite movie of the I time. I used to. I probably watched it forty times. Not as much as Dirty Dancing, but I've watched it quite a bit. Oh, that was cute, Robin. Oh, Robin, we missed. But did you. that sound like Mrs. Doubtfire? Yeah, do it again. Oh, hello. <laughs> if you if you're like 20 years old, you have no idea what we're talking about. You should go and look. Up I think this it movie. might be on Netflix. Probably, it's I'm probably pretty sure on Netflix now. All right, everyone, welcome to Shameless Sex Podcast. Um, Thank I, you for tuning in. Yeah, we love you. We love you so much. We have a very very important episode. This we is do. a very important episode. Everyone it is on trauma, sexual assault, and consent. Now. This podcast, we recorded it with a wonderful sex educator who is a specialist, who's also a survivor on their own, uh, as in their own right. They've actually had their own trauma and experience. And, um, and so this has information, not only if you've experienced trauma, but as an ally of someone who's experienced trauma, as someone who has traumatized someone who's committed assault. Um, there are tools in here for everyone, as for parents raising young people yes. to teach them on how to negotiate and use, you know speak their boundaries. Pretty much anybody walking on the planet right now <laughs> yeah. should listen to this. I'm not going to should, but it'd be great if you tuned in because you will learn something. Well, and especially sure. with, with what's happening with the Me Too movement. And we're in this very potent time where there is a shift going on. There's There's more awareness. You know, it's in the media. Celebrities are talking about it. It's something that's been going on for a long time. Um, and, and I, I think I talked to you about this, uh, on, even on a uh, Kyle Tierman's podcast. I was yeah. just going to say yeah. that. Whoa. Whoa. We're twinning right we're now. Twinning. Brain twinning. Yeah. I'm not surprised. And we're both and about to get our periods. I know. Wow. We are locked in. We're both drinking wine. We're just, it's just me <laughs> and Monty. No. Oh, Montasaurus yeah. in his sweater. Monty's here in the house He's again. smoking a cigar by the fire. <laughs> yes. Sweater. Monty's the dog. We should put a photo of him online. He's wearing a sweater. Well, um, I was just going to, I was just thinking about did you Kyle Tierman's. I didn't, but okay. I mentioned it to a couple of my friends. And I actually, I download his podcast, but I haven't listened to that one because I listened to some other ones um, this week too. Yeah, uh, people have sent me some on why I should drink water, and yes. <laughs> she needs more water. So I'm catching up on that. But well, and I, it was, I think it was really, it was really, uh, really great to hear um, powerful. A, a cis male, so a male identified male, and they were also pro um, surfer, pro surfer. So pro surfer world is kind of like the bro world, outing sexual assault and trauma on the air. It's a world just like any professional athletic sport. Um, it's not a safe place for a lot of folks to be open and especially about things like that, that are vulnerable. Right. And, and also what, what society thinks is a masculine man, you know, it's goes against As why it, a lot of uh, professional athletes are closeted. Um, they're not able or feeling comfortable yet to come out as openly gay. And I've heard that's very common as someone that has dated an ex professional basketball player. 
You did a basketball player? For a minute. Uh, in L.A. Did, when did you do that? In L.A. Oh. You didn't know that? I don't think so. I didn't date him. Well, we banged it out like three times. Oh, you banged? Oh, I mean, I, so for me, dating is kind of this broad Well, so yeah, we yeah. went out on some dates. Yeah, you bought you ate food. He shamed me sex. in my dress, though. And that was a red flag for me. Oh, yeah, I can't have that. What right. was wrong with it? Or not wrong, but what he you I had this really cute white dress on. And then, of course, in typical me style, I spilled a little bit of red wine on it right before he came over. So I was like, oh, I better go change it. And I just purchased this cute dress for Vegas because we were going to a trade show soon after. And so it was It was not in any opinion. It was more of a business Vegas dress. In my opinion, totally professional, right? And I pride myself on you have the you have the uh the oh, orange yes. version yes that I was do. the dress it's very short it's super cute super cute that's he shamed me that's why you want to give it to me because he <laughs> shamed you she told me she's he, like i came downstairs and i said oh my god i had like i came downstairs after i got dressed because i was running late then because then i was trying to put together another outfit and i was like i had to wear this work dress and i come down the stairs and he said you wear that to work and i said oh because it was so short and i i didn't know what he meant it wasn't that short on me and i said so he's, yes did he just let shame you and I said, what do you mean? He's like, that just doesn't look like it's work appropriate. I was like, well, I can see I Deutsch, in bro. the sex toy industry. I know, but I was like, wait a second. So anyway, uh, that was a red flag for me. So it didn't work out with the pro basketball player. Later. Hopefully they're listening. What up? He might be. That's a good thing. I'm going to get the dress now. <laughs> yeah, You already have it. All right. We're going to read a review. And they didn't request oh, an accent from April. They but didn't. No, but you get to choose what it is. Okay. What do you want? What are you feeling today? Cockney. What's that? It's a British accent. No, what about Minneapolis? I mean, oh, you Minnesota. want me to do it? Oh, I'll do yeah, that. Yeah, Minnesota. Okay. Okay. Do this one right here from JNL212. Their topic is I love shameless sex. You girls are the best. <laughs> I have listened to every single episode. It's so awesome that you are so empowered. I will be buying from Pure Pleasure as well. Thank you for being so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a boat? <laughs> yes, I went to up. college in Minneapolis. I have so much Midwestern pride. It's ridiculous. And I love every time my mom calls, she's like, hey, April, it's your mom. <laughs> I'm like, hey, mom. <laughs> yeah, you grew up in Wisconsin. I did. She likes cheese. I have mad respect for the Midwest accent. And P.S., thank you for that awesome review. If y'all want to write us a review, we'd be super into that. And I love doing accents. Sometimes they're better than others, but I work on them. I do practice. So send us a review. We love you. And you can so always much. request what kind of accent she does. But right. um, yeah. And, and if it's one that I don't know, perhaps I can practice it and I'll really work hard on it. And um am I Australian's not so good? My British is pretty on point. I can do a great Israeli accent. Yeah, she did spend a lot of time with New an York. Israeli. I can do a badass New York accent. I'm not going to do it now. It's going to be a surprise ooh, next time. I'm so excited. But so your reviews, people send reviews so we can do this. And we, we read every single review, Amy yeah. and I separately together, but we both read the reviews and we love them. So thank you. If you've already written one, if you haven't, please take a minute of your time. We and love you. ways to do reviews. If you're on iTunes, uh, if you are already subscribed to us, you need to log out. So just hit the search box on your phone and then search for shameless sex all over again. And then you can click reviews and write a review and then we will read it. Or Google. What's the quickest way to write a review on iTunes? Because that's what I did, and I feel like there's a quicker way. Is there? Yeah. Oh, well. Google. I'm not shaming that. Don't shame me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just telling you, I think there might be a quicker How way. How dare you shame Maybe me? Maybe next chapter show, but you okay. that. Okay, so a couple other announcements before we dive in, because we want to talk about some female ejaculation stories. Right, Amy and I, not only were we twinning with that 
We that. both ejaculated this morning. Yes, we both had it. No, mine was right before I came over to your house. Oh, well, today. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so before and we last do that, night. we'll do our announcements. Um, okay, one, uh, the Amazon affiliates. If you order things on Amazon, we would really appreciate it. If you would go to our website at shamelessex.com, you click on the Amazon link. There's like a little stack of books, and you click on that. It takes you to the Amazon landing page, and you order through there. It doesn't do anything different for you other than... You go through that link on our website, which you can also bookmark and use. And when you purchase something, a percentage of it goes to us. Not to sponsor the podcast, but it goes to us. And that helps us out. So just want to put that out there. That helps us out. We This is a passion project. and So if you're buying on Amazon, Amazon still gets their billions of trillions of dollars. It just gives us a tiny bit so we can continue to put out awesome podcast because this is a passion project for us we don't get paid we invest time and energy and and, um, money because we love this and we love all of you so Mm -hmm. if you feel inclined and you shop on amazon all you have to do is click that link or bookmark it as amy said and then we get a smidgen of it for us to improve the podcast and to continue on this journey of presenting information sponsor us no, we're not sponsored. <laughs> we're looking for a wine sponsor. Still. If you or someone you know has an amazing wine sponsor that's into a shameless sex slash shameless life, um, you know, uh, honoring us in our journey oh, of, we'll of prom- whining. Promote the shit out of Why are you wine. whining? What you whining about? Stop whining. Stop whining. Tell me about your uh, squirting. Uh, so, okay, the squirting. Squirting is a thing. Like, people, it's not usually squirting. Like, when I'm doing it, it's, I don't squirt. I'm gushing. It's not squirting. I, it's like little spurts. Mine just kind of comes out like a what would be the right word like a stream like a long stream like a bubbling brook like it goes on for a that's long time that's my new name bubbling like, brook so long stream or more like just like <laughs> that's it sometimes it's longer sometimes it's like <laughs> I like your sound effects <laughs> ah, but it's good. never like bra. Okay, and it's and, it, and this is this is. Did you just say bouquet? No, so oh, probably on accident. <laughs> I said okay, <laughs> bouquet. Yo, well, mine's more like gushing, where there's like these little spurts. So like, yeah, my partner said you're a gusher. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Slept with her partner. <laughs> it's so funny. The other day, uh, we we were out. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> and we were because we were on the cover of the Good Times, which is like a local Santa Cruz paper. Amy and I were on the cover, and um, we were out, and it was sitting somewhere. And my partner's all, "Yeah, I banged it out with both of those girls." I don't remember, but I was dying. I was like, yeah, "That's true. We did." <laughs> That's how I met him. <laughs> That's I good. was losing it. Though. I was like, "Where to go?" Well, we He's the only one that can say that. Besides one other person that you didn't bang it out with, but we both explored anal with that person. I'm drawing. A b- oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. Wait, I didn't explore anal. Oh, I yes, I did. You explored but anal, anal on their him, anus. and yeah. I did too. Yeah. Oh. And then we banged it out. High too. five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Anyway, so anyways, on. back so, to gushing and so squirting. Um, okay. Well, I'm gonna start with mine. Okay. So everyone. So I, okay, my very first orgasm, I was 18 years old. I had had sex multiple times, never had an orgasm, bought a vibrator, a clitoral one, very strong, called the water the dancer. The pocket rocket. Oh, 
Water Dancer okay. by Vibratex. Got it. Still available. You can get it at purepleasureshop.com, 15% off using coupon code SHAMELESSSEXPP in all caps. And it is very powerful. So the first time I used it, I squirted. I ejaculated. I had a little little gush that came out. I was like, holy shit, what's this? And I knew what it was and went with it. And for a while I was doing that and I had a partner and um, it was accessible, but I still didn't have enough information about it to normalize it for myself. And so I did. Did you like it when it happened or were you kind of confused by it? I felt good. It was like a nice release. Got it. But I somehow shamed myself and kind of subconsciously turned it off and it turned off probably. So it started at 18. Stopped at 19, turned back on at about 25 when someone just milked the shit out of my G-spot on the counter of Pure Pleasure. We were closed, but <laughs> store was not open. The old Pure Pleasure, the by the way. The old Pure Pleasure, yeah. <laughs> so if you're in there and you're checking out, yeah, yeah it's not. It happened. It is the old it's Pure sanitized. Pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we've cleaned it. It was pretty awesome. That's what happens when you own a sex shop. You can have it's sex true. in the sex I got shop. spanked in there a bunch. It's true. Dressed up in weird costumes. Weird. Super weird. And I, yeah. So anyway, squirting <laughs> on the counter. Um, it turned it back on. And then it stayed on for a while so that any time uh, my G-spot was touched the right way, which was, you know, that, or if I use a really, really powerful vibrator in my clit, then I could ejaculate. But more of the story, uh, to summarize, would be that it comes and goes for me. Right. I get, I'll have like six months on of easy access to my ejaculation and six months off. And it's very much related to uh, emotional stuff, stress, or... Um, not feeling like like feeling like there's some resentment or vulnerability that needs to be worked through in my relationship mm. and I have no control over it. I can't tell my body, you're going to squirt. Right. And so my partner and I've been doing all it's been turned off for like la- for a while now. It's and it will happen kind of sometimes but barely and it's just not easily accessible and um my partner and I've been having some really beautiful deeply vulnerable emotional conversations about sex and shame and all kinds of just getting in there and it's it's been really powerful and today when we were we were having sex I could just feel like oh it's happening I could feel just the Had you drank a lot of fluids of I drank a lot of fluids and we did a lot of fun foreplay where he was massaging my pussy with his fingers for like 10 minutes before doing anything else and not the inside like the outside he was just we're doing a lot of honoring of each other right mm-hmm. now and like taking our time. So I think the the combined sharing of vulnerability and um and getting closer through that, like deepening the connection combined with more of the intimate touch of him just taking his time for me and honoring my body. It just I was juicy as fuck. And by the time we started actually having penetrative sex, it was like I could I could ejaculate within like a minute in. It was amazing. It felt so good to easily go there. And I guess what I want to share is I got there and I had to do work to get there and not work in the moment. This I've been working at this not directly like I'm working towards female ejaculation, but by working towards the connection and the openness and outing my our vulnerability. Um and then him and I really, he and I really honoring each other. That was the key. And it feels so good to get there, to know that I have all the tools to get there. So I'm back. You did it. Yeah. Woo. I made you a trophy, a female ejaculation trophy. What does it look like? Uh, I don't know, but when you push a button, it squirts. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chip. You're welcome. You're the best. I had a squirting sensation to Dell. A sensation? An incident. An incident? <laughs> an incident or incident? Was it an accident? <laughs> no, it was an incident. Um, so what happens to me is it's rare for me to be able to squirt or let's say female ejaculate Gosh. for yes or stream um, with just 
pen- finger penetration. Mm-hmm. So um, today, <clears throat> use the magic wand and the nemesis while he penetrates me with his fingers. So there's like a whole process, but he does. He did a ton of clitoral work beforehand, and then we had um, like full on PIV sex, and he then vagina. Yeah, and then after that, I still had an orgasm. So then. He was. I was like, okay. He's like, just grab the, just grab the, your, my nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> I was the like, nemesis. thank you, because <laughs> I try to take a vibrator fast. However, um, it's just, it just does the job. So my whole vibrator strike yeah. has not really been a strike. So I, well, I, no shame. I retract it's orgasms. I know. No, I'm not shaming myself. I was just trying to set some vibrating like boundaries <laughs> with my I'd have a conversation with my vibrator to be like I need some space <laughs> I need to discipline you, myself yes so so uh, I busted it out and then um, with a towel because I knew it was coming because mm-hmm. I was definitely like all wet and ready to go and I almost came before without the vibrator but then we had um, we just had sex and then it was finished and then I had still hadn't come so I was like oh it still hadn't come what should we do alright so then busted out the magic wand and then of course he knew it was gonna happen. He's like, "You're gonna square." I was like, "Yep, you can feel the buildup." But he just full on goes for it, which is great, you know. Goes for the nemesis. Goes for the um, feeling of the ejaculate all oh, over. He's like, he yeah. likes it, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and that's so I I think of most of the men um, I've slept with men. So I'm gonna say most most of the men I've slept with um, that most of them have been really into the ejaculation. Yeah. There's been a couple that have been a little bit thrown off because they haven't experienced it or they think it's pee. And yeah. and we've talked about this in past podcasts, um, but it's not pee, and it's also not not pee because it's coming out of the urethra, so it will have urea in it because it's coming out of the urethra. So sometimes it can have a, a slight color, yeah, but or, or scent a, a little bit, but it's not like and full it blown. To- it yeah, it feels, it feels very different than it urine. Does. When you're doing it, it feels different than urine. It does. It. And just so you all know, male ejaculate, by the way, will have urea in it too. Like if I had a cock and I peed and then I ejaculated, there will be traces of urine in it. My ejaculate's very clear and um, definitely a lot uh, thinner consistency than male ejaculate. Of, oh, with the male way is very diff- way yeah. different. It's way, way, way. I mean, different. I don't know because I don't oh. know all the types no, of different no, ejaculate for men. No, there's no because male ejaculate has so many different things that are in right. it. So, so as of my knowledge, but female ejaculate is so you have this spongy tissue that surrounds the urethra. What that does when you're hydrated is it pulls uh, water out of your bloodstream into the spongy tissue. So you think of a sponge and you tap it to some water on a counter and it just soaks it up. Yeah. So all it is is the water that is pulled out of your bloodstream um, and then maybe combined with some traces of urine or urea that is in the urethra already, whereas male ejaculate is made up of so many different things. Because there's it's like the transporting of little sperm. Exactly. So sper- sperm- male ejaculate spermazoa. is Spermazoa. Spermazoa. I don't know. Is that a real thing? Yeah. What does that mean? Spermazoa is what sperm is. That's the scientific name. I have never heard that. Well, I am a science major. I believe you. Because you're <laughs> nerdy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so but, so male ejaculate, sperm only makes up 1% of it. The rest of it is from the prostate, the cowper's gland, to make it a, a slip and slide for the sperm. So right. that's why it has that milky, thick you know, amino acids and like this thick consistency. I'm going to swallow some soon. I know. You keep talking about it. Not today. Maybe tonight. Maybe. <laughs> it's on. Get it, it is on. Yeah, so those are uh, female ejaculate. Uh, also, tried. I tried the hot octopus cock ring today. What would you think? I love it. Yeah? It's the atom. Atom. 
It's amazing. If y'all are tuned in and you've never tried a vibrating cock ring before, whether you're a penis owner, vulva owner, if you're gay, straight, you like sex with a dildo, with anything, this is the best cock ring I've ever had. And I have probably 12 cock rings and it's super powerful. I'm going to get you one. Do you have like a big glass case with it all shiny? You open it and there's just no. cock rings. Oh, and it sings no. to you when you open Most it. Most of them oh. are like gently used by previous partners. So they're like in like a little um, cemetery of, I'm probably going to have to recycle them and get the rid of them. The boneyard. The boneyard of cock rings. This one, the Adam, it's 85 bucks. If you want to buy one, if you're a listener, you can use Shameless Sex on Hot Octopus with two S's.com. And, and get one because, honestly, it will change your experience. It's designed for just, like, intensity and fun. And I've been using it, and now I'm getting addicted to that. Addicted. That was last night, though, not today. Which one? The Cock, cock Ring Adventures. Yeah. Oh, you've been having some good sex. I have. Yeah, awesome. She says well, I had been cut off for a couple of days. Cut off. Meaning... There was no time, so I felt cut off, and oh. I was not you using felt. my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they cut me off. No, I, I, there was no time, literally, between meetings and whatever. I've been really busy with work. Um, we just didn't have any sexy time, so I was in the car. I was like, we need sexy time. We have to plan it. Mm. And he's like, I know, you're right. So last night, it was necessary. It's like, don't eat too much food at dinner. I'm like, look at me. Stop eating. I'm cutting <laughs> you off. <laughs> don't need you to get all the, the dinner bloat. So That's, that's why sometimes you get a bang before dinner. Right, but before dinner, we went to a movie with a friend, so there was no time. You know what I've been really enjoying? So, okay, I used to think I was a, uh, someone who liked having sex at night because I don't like having sex in the morning right when I wake up because literally my pussy is asleep. And, and my pussy's dry as fuck in the morning. Well, not just dry. No, it is. It, I, there's nothing I can do about it. it well, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of lube, but it literally takes me like five times as long to get blood flow in the morning. I'm still asleep. Like it's, yeah, we can I'm try with you. it. I'm with you. But chances are it's not going to be as Plus potent. my hair... You see this hair. I look like if I, if I walked outside without clothes, people would think I was a drunk homeless woman because my <laughs> hair is like all. I mean, it looks well, like I still I got still slightly electrocuted. You can still bang. No one needs your hair to have sex, April. No, I, I agree it's with you. It's about your pussy and your heart. <laughs> no, but I feel that not hot, not hot <laughs> at all. I'm like, oh my god. So I've been tying it back just in case. <laughs> That's smart. Maybe put it in braid. Well, so what? So what we've been doing is, um, is finding we find out that the afternoon, which I have to now kind of rearrange my life to make this happen, because sometimes if I leave around like eleven a.m. to go work, because I don't work before eleven a.m., um, I don't get back till nine, so that leaves out the afternoon, because I'm not home. But um, trying to be home more often in the afternoon because the afternoon I've already done a lot of work. I got like all the headiness out of my way. I've already meditated and I can just drop in. We both have really high energy. And so the afternoon delight, there's something about it that's really I, working. That's what I did today. It, it was, was so sweet. I made lunch today and then he was like, can we just snuggle on the couch for like 15 minutes? And also I was like, bang. <laughs> well, no, that wasn't even the intention. He he said he had full brisket bloke because I made some brisket in the crack pot. What's a brisket bloke? Brisket bloat? Oh, bloat. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. I get it. I get it. I knew come back. Yes, I knew come back. So any, we, we, that just happened. And that was super sweet. Yeah. I felt so, it was so endearing. I yeah. was like, of course. And then um, he just did the ear thing, like kind of breathing in my ear a little bit. And then I was like, I'm like, my pussy just made some movement. <laughs> Something's moving. Something's moving. It's feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I humped his leg for a minute. You humped it? Yeah. Oh, it feels good. Yeah. Got me a little dry hump. 
All right. Anyways, okay. <laughs> so um, that was a little update, and I, you know, our, our updates. I know you get a little personal taste of everything, but there's some sex education in there, people. This is vital information and insight into our lives. And I love that April and I see people around town that hear our podcast, and you know everything about us. Yeah, there is no shame there. You're like, well, that girl, she's submissive, and yeah. she that girl, she likes some ear stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that girl squirts. Oh, that, that girl squirts, too. That girl squirts, too. It's cool. They have a dog named Monty. It's fun. We will definitely, if you have any questions that you want us to answer as well, if it, regarding female ejaculation, or if it's, um, I don't know, about trauma, about something that is burning in your mind and you want us to either find the answer or answer it for you. If we know the answer, please write us. Write us an email. Or you can fill out our little, we have a question contact um, area on our website, shamelesssex.com. Or you can email us at shamelesssexpodcast at gmail.com. But we will answer your question if you wrote us and you're like, whoa, girls, ladies, friends i wrote you three months ago still haven't heard we will get to you it usually Promise. takes us like a month is seeming right it, which is fine but, well, they're actually cute, stacking up there yeah okay they're <laughs> stacking up so, oh, so okay next <laughs> just episode give us some time deep in there because we do get a lot of questions and we value them and we do read them and we will get to them so if you're listening to this and you have written us a question we will get to them yeah so thank you for writing and continue to um reach out and we will get back to you so thank you for thank that. you dear friends all right so we're going to dive into our podcast now and again, we talked about it, we talked about it earlier, but this is on trauma, sexual assault, and consent. I know it doesn't sound like the most sparkly conversation, and but it's, it's necessary. A, it's necessary, and it's, it's the Me Too movement right now. And there's I a also, little bit about that in there. As and well. I also promise there's something in here that will be new for you and important to you. Whether you're a parent, you are a survivor, you have assaulted someone, you're an ally of someone, because all of us know someone. What were the, what were the statistics? It was like one in three, or. One in three of female folks. One in three folks. female folks, one in female identified, male and then identified. one in six and then like It was like one in two male. trans folks or something. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So really, really important conversation. So please stay tuned and listen. And if you just want to hear all the fun, juicy things, listen, because this will make you hopefully a better human, because this is a really important time. So um, without further ado, we dive into some trauma, sexual assault, and consent. All right, everyone, it is time to dive into the creme de la creme of our podcast. Super exciting topic as well. It's a very important topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exciting for a lot of people out there that haven't had access to this particular kind of information. Mm-hmm. Yes, and this is uh, it's great timing with what's going on in the Me Too movement. I think the Me Too movement started, it's September, I believe. I uh, think it really started with the Harvey Weinstein situation. Yeah. That's when it really cracked open. Um, there'd been other moments before with like David Letterman, for instance, but uh, it's now fully full-blown since about September. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, it's it's in in the public eye now. Really important conversations. Really happy to have our speaker here. So it is. Um, I'm going to read a little bio here. So it's Jamanika. Yeah, I got it. Jamanika yeah. Eborn. So Jamanika Eborn is a sex educator as well as director of education at More Than No. Her work in the mental health field for ten plus years revealed a need for more sexual education and sexual trauma support. Also, being a survivor inspired her passion for assisting and supporting those that are sexual assault survivors and or without access to comprehensive sex education. Learn more about her offerings at SoJim.com. That's spelled S-E-W-J-I-M dot com. Welcome, Jimanika. Welcome. Welcome. Yay. Thank you. 
Hey, we're excited to have you here. Um, so I'll just tell everyone, I met Jim Anika at uh, Sex Geek Science Camp. So we were out in the woods learning about sexy, nerdy things together, and that was really fun. And um, since then, I've seen you kind of um, b- uh, blossom, and I know that your work <laughs> used to be more so in the mental health field, but you've really transitioned into the realm of sex education. So it's really exciting to see you doing the work that you're doing. And we're really happy to have you here. Yay. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yay. Um, okay. So first of all, I just I mean, kind of explained in your bio who you are, but so you're a sex mm-hmm. educator uh, and you do a lot of work around trauma, assault and consent. And how can you tell us a little more about how you got on this path? Yeah. So I think I got into mental health. I feel like most people that get into like mental health do it because of some type of connection. So for me, my connection with mental health is my mom was murdered when I was a child by my sperm donor, um, which had a lot of drug and like physical abuse and everything. So when I first was like, I'm going to do criminal justice, then I kind of got kicked out of school a little bit because you have to go to class. Um, so <laughs> yeah, then I went back for psych- <laughs> so I went back for psychology and it just made sense. And I started working in domestic violence and I was like, there's domestic violence, which is yes, a lot happening, but also there's so much more, um, that felt in- that I felt more connected to, like, as I was in school, I was working with sexual assault survivors. Um, and for me, it just felt like normal, like they're not normal that it's happening, but to do the work, it felt like it wasn't work. Like I never say like, Oh, I have all this work to do. I'm like, Oh yeah, I gotta do the thing now. Like it's, it feels so natural for me to do the thing. Um, that I, I just love doing it and it just makes me so happy. It was your calling. Yeah. Yeah. People. That's beautiful. It's part of my woo. <laughs> <laughs> and so how, so that was working in mental health and then to go down into the sex educator realm, um, with a, especially a focus on trauma, assault and consent. Um, how, how was that? Uh, how did that transpire? Yeah. So I was like, how do I never have a boring day doing anything? <laughs> That's what we and do. I like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And then I was like, cool. Everyone's talking about all like the fun things, but no one's talking about something that affects most of us, which is the trauma aspect. Um, and for me, it was like, why aren't we doing this? Like I, I love doing the work, but I also like part of my other work is I work with teenagers. Um, and I teach fourth grade through 12th grade sex ed. But also for me, if I'm able to talk to them about consent and boundaries and like sex, I think that helps the future generation so we can cut down about all the assault. If people actually know things about their body, if they actually know what consent is and what boundaries are. Is that in the public school system you're teaching sex ed? Fourth through eighth grade, you said? Fourth through twelfth. Fourth through twelfth. Wow. Yeah. What, what, what system? What public school system? <laughs> is it Because that's amazing. I never had access to that information in fourth grade. Well, here in California, right. that you can there is you it's, there's it's available, but you can't talk about pleasure, right? Pleasure is off the table. So it's mandated, but just because it's mandated, it's like who's enforcing it. So I work with another nonprofit called More Than Sex Ed, and so we're contracted to be in schools, and we also do a lot of private sessions where the parents actually reach out to us, and we go and like teach in like conference centers or houses or wherever they're like, I don't care. Here's the space. Here's my kids. Please help them. Because oh, they want you to talk yeah. to them instead of instead of them. 
that and then it's like there's so many things that we always do like um a session with the parents beforehand and at the end they're like oh my god I've never heard any of this um can I have a class like (laughs) can you you also teach me these things yeah so it's it's beautiful yeah that's a really that's awesome so can you tell us how will you define consent because it's very interesting like consent is still a challenging people which is now a challenging thing for people to, uh, to understand. Yeah, the concept. Like, how do you define it? How can people clearly understand consent? I think this, the simplest definition is, like, permission for something to happen or an agreement to do something. Okay. And so, and what is what does that look like? Because we can make a verbal agreement. We can make uh, an agreement with our bodies. Is there, um, cl- like, clear ways for people to understand how to read those agreements or make those agreements? I always say that verbal agreements are the best. Like actually before you get into any type of intimacy and it doesn't always have to be like penetration type of intimacy, but I think that just helps to set up the situations, having that clear conversation, like sitting down, looking at someone and be like, these are things I'm not interested in. These are things I like. These are things I may want to try, but these are things that I'm going to hard pass on. I think having, you know, that verbal, like visual of someone like head nodding and actually seeing you versus like, oh, you kissed me and I leaned into it because who knows why I leaned into it. I could have froze and my body could have just like went into that state. Mm -hmm. So I think the best way is having the verbal communication and also checking in with people because with consent, you can say yes and then five minutes later be a no. So I think consent is also something you check in with throughout the situation. Like, is this still good? Do you need me to do anything differently? And I feel like people are scared of that. Just having that that rejection possibly be a thing. I've completely been in, a, in an experience with someone where I thought I was a total yes. And then about 15 sure. or 20 minutes in, it didn't feel right. And I just shut it down. I said, okay, um, <laughs> This isn't working for me. And that's okay to do. People need to feel okay about a no if it comes up, if something doesn't feel right. I agree. I agree. I've definitely, and I've been doing like slight research on how people react to no's and there's not like any research out there. And it's like baffling to me, but the only like correlation that I find is like when people do hear the rejections, that it sometimes can be like a physical pain that's why sometimes when they get little people get rejected they're like it goes from oh my god you're so beautiful to you're an ugly bitch mm-hmm. and you're like whoa 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 what happened there yeah well and th- yeah so and on that note i mean with what's happening with the me too movement is there's a lot of coercion but there's also this we're living in a culture and a time where um especially women are uh, feeling like they can't voice their nose because they will be too much. They will be judged. They'll be shut out. They won't get the job they're trying to get. You know, et cetera, et cetera. They'll be ostracized. Um, and so they're. So I think also they're talking about. I guess the re- that rejection piece is probably different. Um, and of course, everyone's different. Like I can't make a generalization about you know different genders, but um, but probably more so. Um, women identified folks are experiencing a greater challenge with that. Would you agree with that? I think it's, I think, yes, there's, I wouldn't just say women in general or female identified. I think it's kind of like an all genders, all bodies kind of problem. I think, you know, female identified folks may be pushed to the front 
um, as the visualization, but there's tons of trans folks. There's tons of cisgendered men. Like I, I'm so glad that this, this Me Too movement has been brought forward. Like a lot of people don't even know that the Me Too movement started 10 years ago by Toronto oh, Burke. And yeah, people thanks like, for oh. We didn't yeah, know. People are like, oh, this, yeah, she's like amazing. It's 10 years ago. And now that other people are putting their face into it and like making their celebrity status. And that's a whole nother befoolery that I don't, there's no time to get into. <laughs> there's not enough time, but it's like great. It's happening because people are finding their voices, which I'm ecstatic about. Do you know who Gloria Allred is? Yes. Uh, she's been helping women have a voice specifically women um, since yeah. the seventies. And she's a lawyer. She's, she's actually just brilliant. And, Really, the the real Me Too movement started did start a long time ago. I think right now, though, it's just so much more in the media. It's so much more present mm-hmm. and actually making the front page because of all the people feeling comfortable enough to come forward. So um, it's a great point that it did happen so many years ago. But it is been it's been an ongoing battle for folks, and now it's it's great with women. But I think it's it's an excellent point that you just made that transgender folks have been suffering. People, even cis cis men, for sure. I mean, you know, you wouldn't think, but. Having to do, you never know, quid pro quo stuff in the office. It, it exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just read an, another article about Brendan Fraser being sexually assaulted. Oh, no and people are like, wait, 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 what? Like anyone can be sexually assaulted. I think that's always something to bring to the forefront. Like Me Too isn't just for female identified folks. Me Too is for everyone because mm-hmm. we can all be sexually assaulted at any time. Pro athletes. They don't, yeah. that's rare for them to come out. I just, I think we're in a really pivotal time. So it's, it's so important. And that's awesome that you're doing that work. Um, do you find when you're working um, with the youth, I mean, are they pretty open about trauma, cons- things um, of that nature when you're, when you're speaking with them? Are you kind of giving them a path to feel comfortable? In a yeah, way? I think, yeah. <laughs> I think that the best thing with teenagers is, Unless you get their trust, they don't care about what you're saying anyway. So (laughs) once you get their trust, you're able to have the scary conversations. Um, And and when I'm teaching them, it's like when we talk about consent, we do different like run throughs like and we do run throughs like verbal things. We do body like response and we have them receive no's and be like, you received a no. How does that feel for you? You just gave a no. How does that feel for you? So it's like a step by step check-in. And I think with, with teenagers, the beauty of teenagers is they act like they know everything, but they really don't. And they're like, no, I know what you're talking about. Tell me more, please. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, they want the information and they just really want someone that's going to be honest and not BS them because people, other people are scared. And the whole notion of, well, if you don't talk about sex, you're not going to have it. Like Mm -hmm. we all know that's inaccurate because we're all here. Like, (laughs) not true. Yeah, maybe people didn't talk about it, but people kids are having sex. Yeah. I feel like kids are having sex even earlier now mm. than maybe when we were. Um, so they want to know the information. They actually want to do it right, which is amazing. Well, I, and I, I think that pro- that sounds so simple, right? Like, let's teach people what does it feel like to feel a no, receiving a no. But I, I feel like that's such important work because um, a lot of people, it seems to me, 
and I, I could just think of my own experiences when there's been some sort of coercion where I feel like I've been pressured into something or there was boundaries crossed and where I didn't voice my no. But I feel like how did, you know, for me, it was like, how did this person not read my no? And I think that this is important education that we to assume that people, one, understand what a no looks like, what a no feels like, how to receive one, how to ask for feedback and just you know, throughout the process to understand um, how to move forward. This is, these are all things that need education. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think people think that they're just like, how do, how do they not, you know, how do they not know? But, you know, and on the other part for me, it almost feels like a lack of presence and awareness too. you know, people being so caught up in their own agenda that they override the emotions and the energy that's before them. They're just so, um, you know, turned on or they have this, this power, power thing going on and they Mm -hmm. don't even consider the being in front of them or beings in front of them. I agree. I agree. And I think that's why you have to start having that conversation even before you're getting intimate sometimes. Mm -hmm. So like you kind of preface, like before you even get kind of near a leg touch or elongated hugs, like, Hey, let's talk about boundaries. And people, it'll throw people off <laughs> and because these aren't normal conversations. I feel like the conversations I have now, or even like with my partners that I have now, we still check in and it's like, oh, okay, so what are you feeling today? How, what kind of sex would you like? Like, we're not taught to have those conversations by any means. You're taught to just be like, okay, cool. We're doing the thing. And this is, this is the thing. Like there's no consideration for, do you actually like the thing? Mm. And then maybe even adding some follow up, doing, you know, having the conversation, doing the thing. And after how was that for you? You know, what could Mm -hmm. we have done better? Um, What felt really edgy for you? What felt challenging? What felt really great? I'm going to do more of that. You know, those kind of conversations are so hard for people. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's because a lot of people aren't, aren't comfortable because they didn't have sex ed beforehand. So having these conversations aren't normalized. And, you know, like even growing up with parents, there's sometimes predominantly a lot of shaming involved. Like they shut down their kids when they have those scary questions because they never got taught. So it's like a cycle of not really knowing and shaming people. Mm -hmm. And so if we keep, keep that cycle up, we're going to be in a constant circle of no one learning the thing, Mm -hmm. no one being able to have the scary conversations because you're shamed about even, even thinking about it. Because when you did have the final like courage to be like, Hey, I have a question. Someone's like, not now. We're not talking about that. Like, that's not helpful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, well, so with, okay. So that's, that's consent. And I'm sure we could talk about consent forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, (laughs) I would also like to carry this over though, into trauma and and assault, uh, because, uh, I, I, so I feel like people just assume, uh, just assume that trauma and assault, it's like black or white, you know, it's like, you know, rape or nothing, you know, there's, so I, I want to normalize the gray area, the continuum that, and also that there is no hierarchy of trauma or assault that one person's trauma or assault, uh, assault and the effects of what it, how it feels like for them can, um, you know, is unique to them. And, you know, no one gets to decide what that is other than them. If it's, you know, someone just grabs their wrist and it feels like it's trauma or assault and they have a complete trauma response and they're entitled to that trauma response. Um, and I think I just, I guess I want to have a conversation with you about that, about, um, 
like how how can we normalize that a little more or I guess and make bring that conversation on more on a continuum so that there's more room and acceptance for the diversity of people's experiences I think I think you're you're right that people either put it into it's if it's rape or not but there's so many things like sexual assault has a huge umbrella that people don't talk about because they're just like oh well you weren't penetrating you're fine like that's not how that works if you did not consent to any type of contact. And that can be someone like touching. I had this situation a few, a few weeks ago, like someone came up and touched my behind that was sexual assault. Um, it can be, you can have verbal sexual assault. Like it doesn't have to be someone actually putting their hands on you. And I think, like you said, there is a hierarchy. People are like, Oh, well you weren't, you weren't raped. Like verbally, emotionally, like you can still be traumatized. You can still have PTSD and everyone deals with it differently. And it may not always show up the first time in a person. You may not always be catch it the first time. Like you may be used to like numbing it out. And suddenly you're like, this has been building up and this is terrible. Like I can't deal with this situation right now. I've had trauma in the workplace before that comes up. Like I've never been raped or in my opinion, um, to a, to a, a degree that I would consider, um, you know, the police or something, but I've had trauma and work experiences that I like just fully public where someone pulled down my dress in, in a work experience and a, a customer of mine. And I still am traumatized by that. And, um, it, it affects me and how I conduct myself in, in work situations. And it's, and maybe that's my me too thing, but I still, I, I like, I could, get down and cry about it because it was so degrading and terrible. And that's the thing. It's as Amy was mentioning, people sort of minimize things that happen to them. If, if, if it's not rape or doesn't seem um, to the degree that you would need the police to be called to file a report, but it can, it can happen in all sorts of different ways. So. um, Oh, for sure. For sure. It's great that you're doing this work. I feel like even like the smaller things, quote unquote, like just sexting. Like I did not ask for your genitals oh, to be sent to me. That is thanks for your dick. Oh yeah. Okay. No, thank you. Keep your dick to yourself. I did not ask for this. I didn't even like, think about those. That is so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it can come it yeah. can come in a lot of different a lot of different forms. And the thing is is so, you know, if if someone is so if someone has past trauma, say of you know a past experience with uh, sexual trauma or assault, and then someone else you know does something that is unwarranted, you know there's a whole past history there that could amplify that experience. I mean it's just, and and then they can go back in a trauma response. So do you work with people in their trauma responses? Like what advice do you have um, for folks who experience trauma responses around sexuality? I think. For I think everyone is different, um, and there's definitely people that have different variants, degrees of triggers. It can be a smell. It can be a sound. It could be you just randomly seeing a photo of something. You know, it varies def- definitely. I, I feel like what people forget to do is to make a plan. Um, and I know that's not always the easiest thing to be like, I need a plan. But also having like a plan to be like, if this happens or if anything happens, I need to feel grounded. Like I need to be present in what's happening. Like being able to either call someone, send a text or have like, I'm like I said, I'm a little woo. I keep crystals on me. Like even having something tangible in your hand to like ground you and focus on 
can be helpful in situations like that. Um, but like I said, everyone is different and everyone responds differently to the, to the trauma that they carry within them, that there's no like set, set way to be like, okay, if this comes up, this is what you do. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something you have to work through and figure out, like, try, like, does this work? No. Does this work? No. And having like a support system is extremely important, regardless if that's like a therapist, a psychiatrist, your best friend, um, a support group, like a church. I don't know. Every, everyone's different, but having all of these things and kind of like creating that safety net, I think is extremely important in cases like that. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's really, really important. And I like what you said about the crystals. It's funny because we we were just talking about crystals on our last episode because we have someone that sent some feedback that they when we start talking about crystals, they tune out. So we're, <laughs> we think it's funny that you said that. <laughs> Hopefully you're still here. We're um, pro crystals, yeah. though. We love we love that. Yeah. But I mean, I get what you're saying. Something because. OK, so I say I'm say I'm having a trauma response. What's happening is it's so I'm reliving this experience that's so challenging, so painful that I'm trying to leave my body because it doesn't feel safe to be here based on what happened to me in the past. So, you know, holding the crystals in your hand or whatever you need to ground down and find your rooting and your connection to the earth, to the ground, to your safety. Yeah. Deep breaths or looking around on the wall and noticing three different colors. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, whatever is feeling your feet on the ground or even walking, I feel like is a really great tool to just start walking and feeling the ground under your feet as you move. But yeah, I like what you're saying that of course, there's it's different for everyone and what they need. And I just wanted to give that visual for what trauma, uh, maybe you have something to add to that, but what trauma looks like. It's it's literally, like, you know, I need to leave my body because it's not safe here. Oh, for sure. I have, I've had clients that go back to that trauma age. I've had clients that shut down and become children again. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you have to meet people where they are and you're like, okay. And sometimes like it depends on who that person is. You name that person, you name that other being that comes out, that other trauma response, like that trauma response is a six-year-old and you may be calling it six. Be like, oh, six. Okay, let's talk to you and then slowly bring things back in to ground them back to the 30-year-old that you're talking to. And so it, it can look different for everyone, for sure. That's That's really what you want is to be able to support someone so that they can come back and get out of that situation because it's scary in there. It can be scary in your head. You can drown in there. Yeah, and you feel really alone and isolated. Right. I was always taught to like just toughen up. It's not a big deal. That was something that I've had to overcome. And learning about trauma in all sorts of different like on on all sorts of different levels has been has helped me find my strength and learn about myself. So if there's listeners out there that maybe want to go back and revisit things that have happened to them and kind of and come from a, a strength place and know that like you can learn about future situations where you can have those moments and tune into them and then move through them. And having help with someone uh, is, is great um, to help, help you through that. I know um, EMDR therapy is really great for that. And EMDR therapy, you essentially, so you're essentially with a therapist and they do this, it's this rapid movement thing that moves in front of your eyes and then you, they go, you relive the experience with the therapist. They ask you the details, who was there, what were you wearing, what did they say, you know, things like that. And it's really hard. And my mom, my my mom, very intense, very, have you done it before? You just know, no, I just know know the therapists that do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, My mom, so my mom is a survivor. My mom has, uh, I think she, 
was first molest. She started molestation and rape both and from multiple people, both in daycare and at home from age like eight or nine to uh, uh, I don't remember, like 12 or 13. And um, she's very open about it. And um, she has done some very recent work with EMDR therapy. And she would go in with this therapist once a week in these sessions I mean, she had to relive it, but what ended up happening at the end, she'd leave those sessions so raw and cracked open and crying because she was Mm -hmm. in it again. But the end result after dedicating a couple months was she no longer, she, that thing still happened. You're not trying to block it because that doesn't help you. You know, it's helping you process it. Exactly. Like it's this unfinished business that your system needs to process. So now she just doesn't feel uh, pain around it. Now she doesn't, if she thinks about it, she doesn't have a trauma response. It still is a part of her. And yes, it still affects her. um, But the effect is now so much easier. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to see. Like I, I do, I do have a lot of jobs, <laughs> um, but one of them, I actually work at a residential facility, like one of the only ones. It's a residential facility for assault survivors, which is they, it's amazing. They do like EMDR every day. Wow. That is some, that is some dedicated work too. Dedicated. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It's, it's beautiful. They stay on, they stay on site. They have therapists that they have personal one hour therapy every day. They have yoga focus towards trauma. Like they have like amazingness, like, and the fact that they can go and like submerge themselves in getting that intense healing in a safe space. I wish there was more of it. Mm. Where is that in LA? Did you say? It's in Malibu. It's in Malibu. Malibu. It's called, it's called reconnect. Mm. Okay. So if there's listeners in Southern California, that sounds like an excellent place to reconnect and get through those yeah. moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have clients from all over. It, it, it is female focused. Unfortunately, it's not for every, all bodies and all genders, but you know, you got to start somewhere. You get one facility started, branch off and get some more going. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think right now with the times with the Me Too movement, this is, this is hopefully what's going to continue growing. There'll be more offerings and more conversations around this that will, um, you know, create more resources for people to go. And also on that note, I'd like so. What are the statistics for sexual um, assault? Is it like one in three or something? What is it? One, one in three female identified people, um, and one in six uh, male identified, and I believe trans identified folks. It's about fifty percent. Wow. That's probably so like, not even completely accurate. I bet it's more because people don't come forward. It's underreported, especially for uh, male identified folks. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that I think that's another thing to, to highlight is um, how alone people feel when they have that experience, when they have a trauma or assault and that yeah, that it, well, they're not. I mean, yeah. it's it seems quite often it's uh, more often than not. It really depends. And I know that there's um, a lot of other things that go with those statistics and statistics can be hard to get. But, um, you know, numbers aside, it is common uh, and there are resources out there. Like people are not alone in, in, in it, and it might feels like that. It definitely feels very isolating, but um, but it's a it's it's unfortunate how common it is. Yeah, it's it's scary. I did a piece uh, a piece the other day, and it's like every ninety eight seconds, someone is sexually assaulted in the U.S. Wow. wow. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine the stats in other countries, especially where women are living in oppressed existence. I mean, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Wow. It's scary. It's, it's really scary. 
that like you are just trying to live your life and make it, but there's someone being assaulted every time, you know, you look at your clock, you're like, Oh, a minute has passed. I think, I mean, the best way, and, and maybe you have an opinion, but what do you think would be the best way other than education to start to see these results diff like differ? I mean, is the me too movement going to start that process? What do you think? I think it has started. I think the fact that the Me Too has become more of a forefront in having these conversations, sometimes having that celebrity face in front may push the agenda more. I think the fact that our youth is so amazing and they want things to change um, is what's really going to keep pushing it. And having more more educators and getting into the schools and talking to parents, I think is really important. So I think the education is important. I think not only just having like verbal, you know, things, have people act some things out because everyone learns differently. Do like a play or something, let someone see it. Like have a movie that's accurately portrayed on how to support someone. That's another thing like I'm doing is media consulting. Like you, that is the biggest platform that people see. Why not show them some accurate information Mm. instead of just being like, Oh, this is a thing. You're like, that's wrong. Stop teaching people that. (laughs) Yeah. You're contributing to the problem people. Um, Okay. So I have a question. So, okay. This is going to be an imaginary scenario. So say you were talking (laughs) to a parent and you only had a, had two minutes to talk to them and give them your top advice on how to teach their kids about consent, trauma, et cetera. Um, what would you say? Like, what are the highlights if you were like, okay, I have this small window to help this parent save their kid's life. The The elevator elevator pitch. pitch. (laughs) Um, first I would ask how comfortable are you talking to your, to your kids about sex? Have you had any conversations? And I think it also depends on how old their kid is on what level the conversation is. But also I think if you can reassure the parent that they're not going to mess it up and that you can't actually, let me take that back. Let me retract that real quick. If you can assure the parent that them going in strong and actually sounding like they believe it and listening to their kids in the conversation, instead of listening, I think the biggest problem is people listen to respond, listen to your kid to hear what they're actually saying, listen to what they know and mirror, mirror that with more information. Be like, oh, you know these things, but do you know this? So it's like it can be a back and forth. But the parent needs to be comfortable having the conversation within themselves before they can even go to their kids. So it's like if you don't know the information, it's okay. Hire someone like myself to help you or read some books. Do the, do the footwork for yourself to have the conversation with your kids. And the last thing I would say is like, I promise you that if you are able to have this tough conversation with your kid, you are opening doors to conversations that you probably thought would never happen. Like if your kids can trust you with the scariest conversations to them, they will come to you with anything. What are some good books you that off the top of your head that you can suggest? We love giving book suggestions on this show that we could post. I just love helpful books. I, maybe I'm speaking from a personal sense. I'm like, some books. <laughs> loves, yeah, she's like, Oh, I'll read it. Cause it's on audible. Um, well, I know. So at pure pleasure, we have, um, a couple different trauma books. Okay. There's the, what is that one book? It's the, um, the body keeps the score is, I just finished that. How, what do you think of it? 
I thought it was really good. I did the audiobook and I thought it was really good to be like, oh, okay, like a different perspective of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a few more books. There's Trauma and Recovery by Judy Judith Lewis Herman. Um, Tapping in, which is like EMDA, EMDR, whew, related self-therapy. So it's like what we were talking about, the EMDR and like finding out more and also like tapping. I've done tapping where you can actually like help yourself focus where things are and release on your own. I've heard of that. Is it called so, e- EFT or something? Is it like a special well, name? I, I don't know about the special name. Like when I did it, um, I did it actually with Kathy Vartuli and she is like amazing at it. And she was just calling it tapping. And that's the same title as the book. But it's like not like it's like EMDR and the fact that you're doing like recanting the thing and like grounding and bringing it out. Mm. But you can like figure it out on your own, like by with bilateral stimulation on yourself. Well, and that's a great a great example of how, again, like the book, The Body Keeps a Score, about how trauma is in the body and the body knows. And one of the tools and it actually goes with what you're saying when you're teaching people about consent and um, negotiation, not only just giving them a lecture, but having them experience it. I mean, the experiential and somatic practice of all of these things, whether it's receiving a no, whether it's we have trauma and how do we release it. And there's a physical experience that, that should be explored to understand how to navigate it and to release it. And uh, I think that that's really important. It can't just be all, all concepts, like logical concepts. No, for sure. I, and like we, like we were talking about, like people, obtain things differently. People heal differently. And, you know, EMDR, I think it's amazing, but you may not like it. There's other things that you can try. Yeah. Yep. Everyone is different. Everyone is very different. Yeah. On And I, I just want to add one other thing on that one with the parents. Like for me, so for, this is my personal opinion. Um, and yeah. actually I'll just give like a little, little story that goes with this. So I know someone who is on experiencing a me too, who has, um, who has uh, hurt, has assaulted someone? Um, who is the, the assaulter? Not yes. you, you know the assaulter. I know the assaulter. Yeah, someone who has assaulted someone and has just got called out on it. Um, it's not something that they fully remember, but they're fully owning it. And um, and I this is I just this isn't uh, this is new. I just found this out uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they're fully owning it. And so and. Um, and there's also, it, there's some stuff going on in the sex industry where there's some outing of people that have crossed boundaries and are, people are outing that and they're owning it too. Um, there's some of our, right. you know, our role models that are, uh, are doing that and they're owning it as well in this, in the, you know, and then they have their own accountability pod. And one of the main things that I love that they're doing and the advice that I gave the person that just got called out on their assault and they're owning uh-huh. it is... Okay, so there's the reform per- part for you. You know, okay, this is how I'm going to be a better person. This is how what I've learned. Yes, and I'm going to own it, and I've hurt you, and I'm, um, I and I understand how terrible that is. And, you know, owning that piece of it. Uh, how? What can I do to show up for you? Maybe there's nothing you want. I need to give you your space. You know, whatever that is. But th- to me, I love the piece that a lot of the sex educators are adding that. It's beyond you. Now it's my own personal reform. I, you know, I'm the one that assaulted someone. Let's use that as an example. Okay. Aside from my own reform, what can I do now to help the world to go beyond myself? And, and to me, it feels like that's really what's going to change. You know, the, the people that are being called out, reform yourselves. Yeah. Like own it, be accountable and give back to the world to change the world and start spreading the message. 
we have to make it, we also need to, because I feel like that happens. People feel shame in that they've assaulted and then they basically get condemned when they do come forward. And I think if they are making a move to, to be forthright with their previous action, we should also help them uh, get treatment or whatever, get through the moment so they can help other people come forward and then it can be just this exposed everyone's open and out with it that's what i think yeah and i think some of the stuff that's happening and you can comment on this as well but um in the in the sex industries they you know they they don't you're not going to thank them like or they're asking that don't thank me and pat me on the back for owning for being accountable like yay good job that you're saying yeah I cross boundaries and I hurt someone, we, it, but more so like what you're saying, April, uh, more so creating room for them to do it without throwing stones at them, I right, guess. Exactly. Okay. What do you think about that? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I know all the conversations you were having. In <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I, <laughs> I think sometimes that people, let me see, how, how do I process my thoughts? I think it's a scary time for people to be the assaulters, which it should be, but it's also, it's scary for them because they can't move forward. So it's like, yes, you did this shitty thing, but also like, if we just shut you down and keep shaming you, you're not going to do any better as a person either. So I think it really is important for, to be like, okay, you did this shitty thing. We're still pissed, but what are you going to do to fix that? Like, what are you going to do to fix for more people? But also what are you doing for yourself? I think that's really important. Um, and I don't feel like it's being met the same always. Um, and, and with dealing with assaulters personally, and I know my opinion isn't always the one that people want to go forth with, but I think there should be some type of therapy, specific therapy for those that do the assaulting, some type of rehabilitation because a a lot of the times, and it's not a hundred percent, there's no like super, like those people have their own traumas that they did not deal with. Mm -hmm. And it's not everyone. Some people are just crappy human beings. And that's a thing. (laughs) Therapy will break the cycle. That's the thing. Exactly. Exactly. But you, you do have to give people a chance for the redemption. Like you have to give people a chance to get their stuff right so that they can continue to be like, this is where I messed up. Don't be like me. Here's where I messed up right here, right here, right here. I didn't know I did this thing and it was brought to me and I listened to listen. I didn't listen to respond to the person, which I think is something good that we're seeing in the sex community right now. But it's also like, you did this thing. Let me all, let me also tell you all these other things I haven't been saying to you, but I've been waiting for you to like mess up. Like that's not helpful. And that's the most, I think, difficult part of these high profile me too cases such as Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, because they haven't actually admitted to anything. And the denial is, I think, the most hurtful to everyone involved. If they came forward and just apologized and said, what can I do to make this better? I think then perhaps more people would come forward and maybe just not having it behind a curtain of shame and shrouding it in all of this negativity and like, let's lock them up for life. Like let's rehabilitate people. I totally, Jeminika agree with you on that. Yeah. One of my first, one of my first jobs as I was like, I'm going to do trauma. I worked at a group home with juvenile sex offenders. Wow. 11 houses, 
six boys. All of them had assaulted someone else. The ages were from like 11 to 18 and they were never empty. So it's like the, it starts young. That's why I definitely push having these conversations younger. We talked to my goddaughter who's five. I talked to her about consent and boundaries and okay, you're touching yourself. Cool. Let's do it in, you know, a different room, not in the backyard. Like (laughs) we have those conversations because it's happening. Like you have to meet them before it happens, I think. Mm -hmm. And with these conversations that are finally coming out in the media, again, I'm sad that these things have happened to all these people, but I'm so glad that it's being shined upon in the brightest light of lights. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's a hard one. It's like, of course we don't want wish pain on anyone and it feels like it's a really important time that is hopefully going to change things for the better. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So my type A self wants to just do a one last quick order of operations there. So what we kind of suggested was <laughs> someone outs there to step one, someone outs the trauma. I have shame. I have a trauma. Something happened to me and I need to out it. And they out it to the person that traumatized them to friends, to a therapist, to the public on Facebook. Oh, we know all those safe things. Space. Safe space. <laughs> I don't know about the public on Facebook, but, <laughs> but people are doing it. No, um, not the so, Facebook, the so, Twitter. Yeah. The tweet. I, yeah. You tweet it. Um, okay. So they out it. The person that assaulted them, um, it takes accountability. They own it. They I say, agree. yes, ideally this is what happens. They take accountability. Mm-hmm. Yes, this, I did this. This was a terrible thing that I did or whether I remembered or not, whatever. Um, it was not okay. And I understand that that feels that is, that is hurtful for you and that you have trauma around that. And I have no excuses and your feelings are completely, you're entitled to your feelings and et cetera, et cetera. And, and then the public does not say, fuck you, motherfucker. We're going to throw <laughs> stones at you. Instead, they're saying, yeah, that was a really shitty thing to do. What are you going to do about it? And so then that person, the offender, says, I'm doing X, Y, Z. You know, I have a therapist or I'm working on this or this or this. And you, know, However they're working on it, there's not one way to do it. And on top of that, and this is my, my added piece, and I think we all kind of agreed on this a little bit. Um, or maybe we didn't, and I just love it that other uh, that other people are doing it. <laughs> and this is what I'm doing to spread the word about how I messed up and how other people can learn from it too. Whether it's talking to young people, whether it's talking to my men's circles, women's circles, whatever that is, whether it's we're at, you know, writing a book about it, and I'm, I, I think this is like the bonus piece. Yeah, talking to even two people about it. Yeah. I mean, just kind of how how they can help. I know what what would you suggest um if you're an assaulter and you want to do something to better uh the situation what you the actions that you act you you did that you actually did what would you suggest what would be some good ways to mitigate the past uh, I would say you know don't necessarily go head on and try to reach out to the survivor mm-hmm. cuz uh-huh. that you don't know where that person is you don't know what that person has been dealing with. You don't know, like, okay, so maybe they tell you a time frame when this happened. You don't know if maybe you've done something else. You don't know if they've been assaulted since then. So don't go head in to be like, hey, I called you and I want a smoke signal and meet with you. Like, no, like, okay, maybe have a middle person reach out and be like, hey, you know, this person found out that you accused them of this thing. And they want to know like what you need from them. And they are now going to do X, Y, and Z. They have admitted to, you know, maybe not remembering all of the things, but remembering the incident and being like, I'm so sorry that you felt that way. I think you need to 
as a, as a assaulter, um, I think the biggest thing at first is just realizing that you've done something to someone else. You may not have necessarily meant to do it. You may not even remember the situation, but listening to listen to that person and being like, Oh my God, I didn't know. I didn't know I did that thing. So recognizing the situation and finding out what that person needs. Again, maybe not through you. It depends on how that correspondence is, maybe through someone else. And, oh, you don't want to talk to me? Cool, but you'll talk to this middle person. Okay, let me know what you need. And for me, I need to see what else I need to work on as a person. If that means therapy, if that means meditating, if that means going to a facility, if this means looking into your own-ish and being like, oh, maybe this is where this started, do that get some education, start doing the thing, do the work. I think that's the biggest thing is doing the work Yeah. because you can, you can talk all day. We can all talk and gab and people love to hear themselves talk. But my biggest thing in anything that I do, like, yeah, I can talk all day, but where's the footwork? Like, what is my action behind what I'm saying? I think that is something that also really needs to be focused upon. We talk about that all the time. You just basically created a home run situation with that comment because we we talk about the tools, providing the tools with this podcast. Uh, and I think you've given us some excellent tools and some excellent information um, on getting help or talking about your trauma or what is consent. So that's important. It's important work. I wish there's more people like you in the world. Oh, thanks. This is my love language. Keep telling things about myself. Awesome. Perfect. Um, Okay. So what are your offerings? Like how can people work with you? Yeah. So you can go to sojim.com, which is S-E-W-J-I-M. Um, and I am doing a lot of transitioning some work. Um, so I'm trying to do more media consulting. I think it's really important. Like I said, I feel like they have such a large platform. Um, I've done it for like a television show, like helping to create characters that are accurate, helping to make sure you're actually putting like problem solving things that people actually deal with, like helping in writer's rooms. I think that's really important. Um, I teach classes. I can create a class for a business. I can create a class for parents, for kids. I do all the things. Um, And then with more than no, I am the director of education and we do have a class that's already pre-written. If you go to my website, it's on there. You can click on it and it's for survivors. um, And it kind of has you go through like it's not for someone that's been just assaulted like an hour ago. It's maybe someone that's been working through the process but still needs some support. Uh, We talk about how to talk to your family, how to figure out what kind of relationships you like. And I think something that I really want to focus on with working with survivors is reconnecting with your sexuality. I think people are like, oh, you're so sad. You don't want to have sex. People want to have sex again, like figuring out what feels good again and what your options are. And maybe there's new things you didn't know about. BDSM is a big thing for trauma survivors. And most people are like, oh, well, this is this is something I can't do. You don't know, like to have that option. We include all that in our class as well. I'm writing a ally class, which should be done soon. Um, so I'm kind of all over and you can connect with me on my website. And if I don't get it, my manager, Dan will, and will help direct you into my life the way it needs to be. Are you on Facebook or social media? Can we be friends? (laughs) Yeah. So it's, everything is under Jiminika. Um, because my manager said, that's what I should do. So I said, okay. Um, How do you spell Jiminika? J-I-M-A-N-E-K-I-A. So it's on the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. 
I'm everywhere. The email? No. <laughs> do you yeah, do the email? Actually, you want the email? <laughs> the email is Jiminika at more than no.org. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Wow, this was a really great episode. I actually can't believe that this much time has passed and I don't want you to leave. But you're three hours ahead. You're on a different time zone right now and you're probably like, I want to go drink a beer and chill. I will be having a cocktail, correct. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank thank you you so much for taking this time to share this information. It was really, really, really important and I guarantee there was something in here that was new or thought-provoking to someone. It's a really um, tricky topic, a really rich topic, a really important topic. And for everyone, because not only will it be something for folks that have been victims of assault or trauma, but also for parents. folks that are parents or assaulters. So there's so much information that's useful in this episode. Or just allies. Or just, someone. yeah, just, I mean, yeah, this is just, it's for everyone. It's him. Yeah. So. yeah. And like I said, we all know someone. Yeah, it's true. And more than someone. I know a lot of someone's. I know quite a few yeah. someone's. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Geminica, thank you so much for this awesome episode. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. We see you this Tuesday, next Tuesday. We say see you next Tuesday, every Tuesday. So <laughs> we can't wait to spend another hour and some minutes with you. And ciao for now, everyone. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.